Winning can be the most important thing to many teams and organizations, coaches and athletes, and parents and fans, but it can cause devastating problems, including psychological, social, and physical harm or injury. Meg and Dr. G discuss today on the sideline what defines quality in coaching and how athletes, coaches, and administrators weigh the ethical boundaries of a winning-at-all-cost attitude. Do great coaches produce winning teams, or do consistent wins make coaches great? Tune in to the sideline this week to find out. This is Sport Knowledge. This is Meg for Sportlight, and I am so pumped to be here with my co-host, Dr. G. G, how's it going today? Good, Meg. Delighted to be with you again. I am equally, if not more so, excited. Yeah, everyone can really tell. <laughs> Today's a good day because we're going to talk about quality coaching. And I want to start things off today with a quote. Winning isn't everything. It's the only thing. And uh, that was said by Coach Henry Russell Red Sanders. What do you think about that? Misattributed to Lombardi. And actually, there's an article uh, written by a, a gentleman named Overman in Football Studies where he does the history of that quote and shows how it was misattributed and popularized by Lombardi. We will that, put that down below for you. The reality of it is that when we think about coaching, we do often think about, or sports in general, we think about winning as being the only thing. And that that quote has endured for so many decades in some ways is, is quite unfortunate because it can be a problem, right? We have the winning at all cost ethos and we attribute that to a lot of problems in sport, you know, with like dropout rates, uh, too much stress, pressure, uh, unethical practices. And so, you know, that kind of thing is, is very popular and we all know about it, but, you know, oof, it's, a, it's a doozy on the people that actually participate in sport. Well, it's interesting to me too, because you've got, you know, I, I said quality coaching. There's quality coaching, successful coaching. I mean, how do we, how do we define those kind of things? I mean, a lot of times that's connected to the success of the team, but is that really quality coaching? Well, it's hard, right? It's, it's hard to do a few things there. It's hard to define and attribute coaching, but then what causes those, that winning or that those outcomes to happen is another issue. Right. It's you're thinking about what you're doing, what you're trying to get at. And we have a notion that winning is almost synonymous with coaching. That is the outcome of all outcomes for everybody in all cases and all scenarios. And I would say that, right, that that's one possible outcome of many, but uh, that we've decided that's one so important, again, can be can be critiqued. I mean, there's problems with that. And, and luckily, there are plenty of examples in youth sports and college, et cetera, where, you know, Winning is not everything. Winning is not the only thing. That, that doesn't mean you don't try to compete and you don't try to win, but the idea that you can guarantee or uh, just evaluate quality, right? Something I think about the Zen and the Order of Motorcycle Maintenance book. We all do. We all go we're there coaching, right? We're, we're ready for that one. <laughs> yeah, but it is. You know, the, the main actor, the protagonist, goes crazy trying to figure out philosophically what quality means. Yeah. And, and we have all these what we call adjective, you know, leadership or adjective kind of qualities like, you know, you, you can be a transformational leader, a great leader, a servant leader. You know, there's all these types of adjectives to mean the same, mean similar things, some sort of kind of ideal of what we want coaches, people to be kind of doing. Yeah, I mean, let me, let me throw out some names. So Bobby Knight, uh, Pat Summit. I mean, these are great coaches, right? But are they quality coaches? What makes them great? Because of their records? 
but no, we were, we remember, and I wrote about, I've wrote about this before that, you know, we remember the winning coaches, you know, and, 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 and uh, what's his name? Uh, Will Farrell's character at Talladega Nights, right? It's, it's, if you're not first, you're last. We remember the winners, right? We, we, and we extol them. We put them in hall of fames and we, we look to them for various lessons and whatnot, but we know that you can win despite the coach. You can win because of the coach. You can win because or despite of the coach and all the other things that go into producing winning or other successful outcomes. And we also have coaches like Bill Belichick, Nick Saban, various others that are guilty of various NFL, NCAA violations. And, you know, they're yeah. still winners. And, and we still extol them and say, like, it's great. It's great. Yeah, I'm not sure that that um, is when we look up a quality coach, that's what we're looking for. So what are we looking for? One of the best things that I came across uh, reading years ago um, by an author I actually called Quality in Teaching by an old philosopher of education named Gary Fenstermacher. And he talks about quality in the sense of you want them to achieve the goals or the outcomes that they're trying to, but also do it in the right way. Do it within our social norms of behavior and expectations. So we want people doing the right things the right way. Right. It sounds like power to me. Uh, how does it sound like power? <laughs> you have to do the right thing at the right time. And the way I said it. Oh, that kind of power. Yeah. Well, that's a very, it's a very useful thing. And we are right? coaches and parents say those types of things. Yeah. Um, and it is, it is, you're exerting a certain force of the, you're trying to exert power, you know, to get somebody to do something the right way, you know, but as we get older and, and then we get into different, uh, economies and different motivations and political systems and different organizations, you know, the right way, the right uh, time, you know, all that kind of goes out the window pretty quick. It's often easier to say what not to do than to say what to do. And, it, and when you break it down, I think it makes a lot of sense because we can say like, look, here's our kind of norms of behavior. and We think these things are outside those limits. Now within that, there's a lot of options of things that you could do, but as long as you don't go outside you know, in terms of you know, just degrading and yelling and, you know, taking away scholarships, you know, they, when you shouldn't or running kids off the team, you know, physically, verbally abusing people. Obviously, uh, sexual abuse is, is absolutely no, no. Um, you know, those are sort of things not to do. But we have so many instances, too, of coaches continuously doing things and breaking the rules in the game, outside the game, you know, moving players around trying to in outskirt sometimes out there's there's ones that are not actual rules to the game but ethically they're kind of iffy too and i i noticed that some coaches kind of do that as well yeah so in philosophy of sport they call it the spirit of the game and you, okay. you can't you're never going to have enough rules and you'll see this around politics you're never going to be able to policy and legislate everything and so, but you know, you know, within the milieu of sports, right, the, the, the invisible, the hidden curriculum, that there are certain rules and norms that you kind of need to abide by. And when you don't, there's, there's good writings about this called like the cheap shot or the late hit, you know, like, so I can think of one, uh, I can't remember, uh, Warren Sapp was an NFL defense alignment. And I forget the center for the Green Bay Packers. He actually played at Tennessee before I was coaching there. Oh, really? Yeah, I would, well, I would look it up and maybe link to the, to the hit. But 
Warren yeah. Sapp, there was an interception, and Warren Sapp absolutely nailed this guy. And the guy, the center, you know, is another six foot tall plus 300 pounder. And yeah. Warren Sapp just sent this guy airborne flying, you know. And it was just a, you look at it, it's just a devastating hit, right? Oof. It's a clean shot, right? But it's dirty. It, yeah. it goes against the spirit of the game. And you go, you know, he didn't really need to do that. Now, he could have with inside the rules of the game. Right. The, same, the same in basketball. The other side is the flagrant foul, okay? Yeah, yeah. If you've got, let's say, LeBron James is going up for a slam dunk, you could go underneath his legs and take him out. Okay, and only get a foul or a flagrant foul or maybe a technical. But it could be – you could make it look pretty good and probably be okay. You know, you might, you might uh, get thrown out of one game and that would be it. But you could effectively, you know, end his career maybe if you wanted to. If you, if you really wanted to come and take his legs out underneath him. You know, if he lands, let's say, on his head awkwardly, you know. Ooh. But that's the type of stuff uh, that some people really extol. You know, they – they think uh, that football and other sports, basketball, you know, they think that, the, you know, everything is the MMA. Everything is hyper-violent and, and anything you need to do to win, go ahead and do it. Do you, do you think there's that much of um, that going on in professional sports? I know everywhere else there's, there's probably a good amount of it, but do you think in professional sports we're looking at, you know, maybe a 1%? That, that would do something like that. I mean, they all have their careers on the line, so I can't imagine they're going to go and just throw that all away. To- I, think, I think they do. We see it time and time again, man. We see it in uh, baseball. You saw it with the Houston Astros that were cheating with uh, signs and hitting the can and relaying signs during the game. I mean, I saw that when I was coaching various college at the college level. You go deflate gate. Well, <laughs> deflate gate. I was going to say. Yeah, deflate gate is a thing. You've got the Belichick and them deflating the footballs, apparently. You got coaches that'll insert different lengths of cleats, you know, during rainy or muddy games. That was always a big yeah. thing. The jerseys as well. They used to do the the rip away jerseys and the tear away jerseys. So you couldn't grab somebody and do that. Oh wow. Any any sort of tactical advantage. Thanks for listening. Make sure to leave us a five-star review and hit the follow button because there's more sport knowledge on the way. If you're interested in more information or want to engage in further conversation about these and other issues in sport, visit our website at spknmedia.com. To stay updated on all things SPKN, follow us on social media at spknmedia or email us at team at spknmedia.com and we'll be happy to welcome you to the SPKN community.